Today is July 2nd, 2021, and our first story. China has been caught building over 100 new nuclear missile silos. Many people are now concerned that they are shoring up their nuclear capabilities as the threat of war increases. In our next story, statues in Canada toppled over by far left extremists. But when a statue of George Floyd gets vandalized, they call that a hate crime. No one is stopping this rampant vandalism and extremism. And in our last story, a journalist for The Washington Post greatly misunderstands the fear of skyrocketing crime as Democrats seek to downplay the violence in their own cities. If you like this podcast, please leave a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. As the COVID variant continues to spread, many people are concerned that lockdowns will be brought back and many governments will say we have no choice. The high transmissibility of this variant means we must lock down and we're getting reports out of Australia, Canada, and even in Los Angeles, they are bringing back their mask guidelines. But this is many people concerned and angry over how this all began. Of course, the mainstream media for the long time gave us these wishy-washy answers about maybe it was a lab leak. Oh, no, it actually wasn't. It was zoonotic. And now they're coming back to saying, well, maybe it actually was a lab leak. Now, what does that all have to do with war and China, you may be asking? A lot. You see, when Joe Biden came out and said we were going to redouble our efforts to figure out where COVID came from and whether or not it leaked from a laboratory, an editorial in Chinese state media said, we must build more nuclear weapons to send shivers down the spines of the American elites to let them know we will not be pushed around. Shortly after, China sent 28 warplanes into Taiwanese air defense space, and many people are concerned that China is going to make a move on Taiwan. Recently, a Pentagon insider penned an op-ed for Chinese state media warning Joe Biden not to go to war with China over Taiwan. You will lose. And then saying, well, look, China has a rightful claim over Taiwan. The problem is we rely on Taiwan for chip production, computer chips. And if that falls to China, boy, will they gain massive strategic and militaristic power around the world and massive economic power. Well, here we are. It's now being reported that China is building more than 100 nuclear missile silos in a desert. Satellite footage shows alarming development that signals possible expansion of nuclear capabilities. We are also now learning China, India moved tens of thousands of troops to the border in largest buildup in decades. Both countries have built new infrastructure to support larger deployments and positioned advanced military equipment in the region. The fear is war will break out. Now, India is not the United States, but Chinese state media is making the case that perhaps the U.S. is pushing India into conflict with China. Now, I don't know if war is going to break out. You know, I get messages from people whenever I cover this stuff saying, Tim, you're fear mongering. Look, I'm reading the news. Is it possible these news stories are just bits of propaganda designed to make you scared or think that China is evil and an enemy? Perhaps. We've seen it before, and we will see it again. They'll come out with news stories saying that Chinese soldiers are, are, are beating small puppies to make you think of them as villains. Dehumanization is extremely important if war were to be coming. And that may be the case. 
Now, I'm not going to pretend like China is innocent. We've got more than enough reports about what's going on in Xinjiang with the Uyghur Muslims. The fear there is how much of it is propaganda? How much of it is true? Based on whistleblower reports, video footage, I tend to believe that it is true. I'm also scared that U.S. media and the U.S. government will be trying to manipulate us into believing that China is doing something truly evil in an effort to get us into a war. But that's a bit conspiratorial in the long run. I think we've seen more than enough out of Hong Kong, out of Taiwan, out of mainland China and the Western region to know that China does engage in very horrific things. And plus, they're literally building up forces on the border with India. So I can only lean on uh, my assumptions, presumptions, and what I've read and what I've researched. Stands, it seems to reason that China is actually playing very, very dirty. And the United States needs to stay on its toes. Do we want war? Of course not. Should we start a war? Absolutely not. But what do we do if China invades Taiwan? Do we sit back and say, none of our business? I mean, honestly, maybe we do. But then what does it mean for the rest of the world if China can just take over these Southeast Asian countries? Now, they claim Taiwan is theirs, but sure, Germany made claims about bordering regions and stole them too. You see where that leads. I don't have the answers to these, these, these questions. I just know that war is typically really bad and we don't want it. And we shouldn't be the ones to start it. But we'll have to see how things play out, especially when China begins building these nuclear weapons. So let's read and see where we're at so far. What's happening? We're also hearing reports of U.S.-Japanese war games, which may be in response to Chinese threats to take Taiwan. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get access to exclusive members-only segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. I can't show you exactly what some of the titles of these videos are because YouTube bans a lot of that stuff, which is why we've created TimCast.com. But I'm going to mention something else to you. We hired many journalists. We've got powerful breaking stories such as Dollar General is expanding across rural America. Yeah, I know. It seems like it's not politically relevant. It's just it's a story that I think matters. And we have great writers who pick great topics. It's not always going to be about the culture war. It's going to be real news. More importantly, we're about to launch our new mystery conspiracy show podcast, which means if you are a member, you are going to get another show on top of the existing Timcast shows. And my goal is by the next year or so to maybe have 30 or, sh- 30 or so different shows. And as a member, you get access to all of it. We're going to be building amazing culture. And it's thanks to you over at Timcast.com. Sign up. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel and share this video if you really want to help out. Now, let's read the first story from The Guardian. China building more than 100 nuclear missile silos in desert stands to reason that the threats before about building nuclear weapons, well, it was more than just saber rattling. The Guardian says China is building more than 100 missile silos in the desert, according to an analysis of satellite photos, which researchers say signals a possible expansion of the country's nuclear capabilities. Analysts warned the expansion signified an alarming development, but also urged caution against worst case thinking noting tension between major nuclear powers over disarmament. The research, first reported by the Washington Post on Thursday, identified the construction of at least 119 silos likely to hold intercontinental ballistic missiles have been identified in the desert of Gansu province. The researchers from the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies made the discovery through an analysis of satellite photos provided by commercial company Planet, spread across more than 700 square miles. 
The site near Yumen includes the construction of underground bunkers, which may function as launch centers, cable trenches, roads, and a small military base. One of the researchers, the U.S. nuclear expert Jeffrey Lewis, said, Features of the layout mirrored existing nuclear ballistic missile launch sites in, in Inner Mongolia, suggesting China has built or is building at least 145 in total. Quote, we believe China is expanding its nuclear forces in part to maintain a deterrent that can survive a U.S. first strike in sufficient numbers to defeat U.S. missile defenses, Lewis told The Washington Post. China is believed to have about 350 nuclear warheads, about 30 more than in 2020, and far fewer than the U.S. or Russia, according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. I'm going to pause there and give you some context here. They say they have about 350 nuclear warheads. 30 more than they did a year ago, substantially less. I believe we have several thousand around. I think we I think the U.S. is around 2,500. We have been building gravity bombs, or at least we built a gravity bomb. That's where you get a bomber to just drop something from a plane and it's kinetic force that causes the detonation, gravitational pull, and then, you know, you get it. ICBMs, however, is a whole, whole other ballgame. The only context most people have for nuclear weapons is Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And thankfully, that, that's a good reason that they've only been used those two times. But those were preliminary precursor weapons compared to what we have now. The multiple independently targeted re-entry vehicle, a MIRV. These things can hold 8 to 12 warheads. And modern ICBMs have about 1,250 times the explosive power of the bombs used on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You do not want to see a single warhead fired. But imagine one of these ICBMs with 8 to 12 could pepper the eastern seaboard. We can only hope that we have the capabilities to stop such an attack. So while it may seem that China, eh, they got 350, so what? What's a bit? We got way more. It takes only one. And that could wipe out tens of millions of people and cause untold suffering. This is scary stuff. And this is why we want nuclear deproliferation or disarmament. But China's not going to back down. Why would they? They want us scared. They want power. And they know. We'll, they, they say to themselves, we don't think they'll pull the trigger on us. Do they want to be the ones responsible for wiping out the planet? It's mutually assured destruction. The Guardian goes on amid an arms race and worsening relations in Washington with Washington. China and Russia are reluctant to reduce their arsenal without corresponding limits on the U.S. In April, the head of U.S. nuclear forces had warned of a breathtaking expansion of Chinese nuclear capabilities. And to be honest, why would China, Russia or even the U.S. trust any of the other country to actually disarm? Russia could come out right now and say we're getting rid of all of these nuclear weapons. And why would we believe them? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also 
also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. That's the big challenge. The number of silos does not necessarily correlate with the number of missiles, with Lewis suggesting it could be a shell game to partially disguise where missiles are kept and ensure other parties in a war would not know exactly where they were. He said the layout was similar to what the U.S. designed when it made initial shell game plans in the 1970s. So while it might seem that 120 silos means 120 missiles, it could very easily be 12. We just don't know. And even if China were to deploy only a handful of missiles, its forces could could over time grow into the silos, Lewis told Foreign Policy. Yet whether the number is 12 or 120, this is an alarming development. After last month's NATO meeting warned of a need to address China's growing authoritarianism and military might, Beijing accused the bloc of slander and made specific mention of its nuclear arsenal. China's mission to the EU said the country had far fewer nuclear warheads than NATO members and had committed not to use or threaten their use against non-nuclear states. It said China was committed to a defense policy that was defensive in nature, and its pursuit of military modernization was justified and reasonable. In early June, China's foreign minister, Wang Yi, said the country adheres to a principle of not using nuclear weapons first. James Acton, a co-director of the nuclear policy program at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, urged against worst case thinking in light of the silo construction revelations. Quote, there are lots of reasons to question whether China is about to expand its nuclear arsenal this rapidly, although it is expanding it a bit, Acton said, noting, noting the similarity to the U.S.'s 1970s shell game plan. Secondly, understand that to a large extent, China's nuclear modernization program may be motivated by concern about the U.S., China has been quite open that it worries the U.S. might attack its nuclear forces preemptively in a conflict. John Culver, a retired CIA analyst on East Asian affairs, questioned the closeness of the constructed buildings, grouped so closely they situationally almost dare an adversary to think about counterforce attack, he tweeted. We don't know for sure. Maybe it's a shell game. Maybe there's no real missiles in here. They're silos. Or maybe they're preparing for actual missiles to go in these places. It's escalation. It always is. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to be this great diplomatic genius who genius who knows how to slow these things down or stop them. I can only tell you this is the latest reporting. I can't tell you if it's propaganda meant to scare you. I don't know. But just because these stories are here and we question what their, their veracity, does it mean I don't tell you it's happening? That's the weirdest thing to me. The people who message me saying, stop reporting every single war story and freaking people out. And I'm like, I'm not. I've done like three in the past two weeks, maybe. I, I think maybe we should keep an eye on what's happening around the world. Wouldn't you rather know? It's a challenge because we do know they use propaganda manipulation to drum up support for wars. So I don't know. The Wall Street Journal reports China, India moved tens of thousands of troops to the border and largest buildup in decades. They say China's People Liberation Army has gradually increased its troop presence, mostly over the past few months, to at least 50,000, up from about 15,000 at this time last year, according to Indian intelligence and military officials. Those moves have been matched by India, which has sent tens of thousands of its troops and advanced artillery to the region, the official said. 
Both countries have built up infrastructure at the border in recent months, including insulated cabins and huts to keep troops stationed there through the frigid Himalayan winters. Much of the military buildup has occurred in eastern Ladakh, a region that overlaps with Kashmir and Tibet. The deadliest confrontation between the two countries in decades occurred in June 2020 in the Galwan Valley, where 20 Indian and four Chinese soldiers were killed. Chinese security forces, which usually go to the Tibet Autonomous Region for annual summer training under the PLA's Western Theater Command, recently participated in high altitude drills focused on combat with sophisticated weapons. Indian officials said they fear that China is using the drills this year as cover to move more troops to the region permanently. China has moved advanced surface-to-air missiles to the region, the official said, including its HQ-9 system, which is similar to Russia's S-300 and America's Patriot anti-missile batteries. The country's army has built hundreds of new structures to support, to support troops at military encampments at the towns of Rudak in Tibet's Ladakh frontier and Kang Shiwar, which is north of a plateau controlled by China, known as Aksai Chin. That connects Tibet with the Xinjiang region. China has dug underground bunkers and tunnels and built small hydroelectric power stations and solar panels, the official said. They've installed portable cabins and huts for troops, helipads, and field hospitals. It sounds to me they're absolutely gearing up for border conflict and war. Now, I'm not going to read into all the nitty gritty details of these military operations. Suffice it to say, we are seeing this massive buildup. We have seen conflict on the border before, and it may actually reach a very deadly point. I don't know if war is going to break out. I believe China is as responsible as anyone else. This is the problem with war. Both sides pointing guns at each other, shaking, ready to pull the trigger. Eventually, someone fires that shot heard around the world and we get hot war. If you follow the fourth turning, Strauss Howe generational theory, well, then you should be expecting some kind of massive and major crisis. But we're dealing with an internal crisis at the same time. In the end, this conflict and the internal conflict combined could spell the end of the American empire and maybe even a fracturing of the United States into something totally different. I can't tell you I'm not a psychic. I can tell you that Chinese state media is making the claim at the very least that India is being pushed by the U.S. effectively acting as a proxy from the Global Times, China's state propaganda confronting China for U.S. worst strategy for India. Global Times editorial by Global Times. Hey, no, uh, no byline. Who's the, is it the editorial board? Sure. It's China's state government. They are the Chinese Communist Party. Bloomberg reported that India has, quote, redirected at least 50,000 additional troops to its border with China. It would give the Indian army more options to confront China with a strategy known as offensive defense. Indian side has not responded to this report, and it could not be ruled out that the U.S. is provoking China into your relations through media reports. Basically, what they're saying is the only reason Bloomberg is reporting this is because they're trying to get India and China to fight. OK, maybe. I mean, legit. Think about it. The U.S. knows that war may be coming. China is planning on making moves against Taiwan. This is not a joke. The South China Morning Post reports mainland China magazine outlines how surprise attack on Taiwan could occur. So what does the U.S. do? Drum up conflict between China's enemies and China so that they are in a weakened state so that we can move in and sweep it up if there is going to be a major conflict. Maybe China's doing the same thing. 
We heard from Mike Pompeo last year that China has infiltrated every level of our of our country, every level of our government, state, local, federal, etc. In some capacity, they've infiltrated. Perhaps the culture war we are, we are experiencing is China saying something. Well, maybe China views it this way. Who would be willing to stand up to the U.S. outside of China? Very few. Russia, maybe. Why would any country stand up to the U.S. with all of its military might? Well, Russia might, because Russia's got twice as many nuclear weapons. I believe it's around twice. And then all of a sudden we see Democrats in the U.S. being antagonistic towards Russia and not China. Or maybe China realized, make the U.S. fight itself from within. Who would hate America more than any other country and be in a position? Who, who, who hates America would be in a position to actually attack America? It's not going to be any one of these small countries. It ain't going to be Venezuela. But what about America itself? That's right. Perhaps the case is that China is drumming up the culture war for the sake of eating the U.S. In, from, from the inside and destroying it. So that way, we're in a weakened state and can't go to war. Perhaps the U.S. is trying to get India to go fight with China so that China will be in a weakened state and won't be able to go to war. In the end, if both countries are in a weakened position and can't go to war, hey, that's a good thing. We don't want nuclear annihilation. China's Xi warns Taiwan on independence, sends message to the West. They want Taiwan. They want to take Taiwan. That would give them massive economic powers over these, these silicon chips. It would give them massive militaristic advantages over everybody else. Fox News says, President Xi Jinping on Thursday marked his Communist Party's 100th anniversary from Tiananmen Square and struck a bellicose tone, reconfirming China's historic mission to control Taiwan while warning other countries not to interfere. Bloomberg reported that she said that no foreign forces will ever coerce and enslave us. Whoever attempts to do that will surely break their heads on the steel Great Wall built with the blood and flesh of 1.4 billion Chinese people, he said. She did not mention any country by name, but the message was clearly intended for the West, in particular the U.S. President Biden has, has made it clear that China is the biggest geopolitical challenge for the U.S. In February, he announced the formation of a Defense Department China task force to assess the future challenge from China. Earlier this month, G7 member states agreed to an initiative aimed at challenging China's Belt and Road Initiative. She called China's commitment to unify itself with Taiwan unshakable and said prom and, and promised resolute action to utterly defeat any attempt towards Taiwan independence. The crowd cheered. Of course they did. If they don't, they'll be brutally beaten and imprisoned. OK, I don't know if it's that bad at, with these rallies, but they bring in the people who support the party. Interestingly, from today, mainland Chinese, Chinese magazine outlines how a surprise attack would occur. Is this not a message being sent to the West? This is what we can do, and there is nothing you can do to stop it. A Chinese magazine marked the ruling Communist Party centenary, centenary by publishing a detailed outline of a three-stage surprise attack which could pave the way for an assault landing on Taiwan. An accompanying video was also posted on social media, Weibo, by the publication Naval and Merchant Ships with the message, we must solemnly warn some people that the road of Taiwan independence only leads to a dead end. Beijing regards the self-ruled island as a renegade province to be returned to mainland control by force if necessary. The magazine did not go into possible counterattacks or responses from other key players, such as the US and Japan in its scenario. 
According to the article, the first round would consist mainly of ballistic missile attacks aimed at destroying information gathering and decision-making assets, including airports, early warning radar, anti-air missile bases, and command centers across the island. Weapons used at this stage could include the DF-16, a short-range ballistic missile, which the magazine said the island's missile shield system would find difficult to intercept, and ammunition dispensers, which would cause more damage per strike. The attacks against Taiwan's airports would continue until Chinese surface troops had accomplished an assault landing. It said naval ports could be attacked with airstrikes by China's H-6 bombers and J-16 fighter jets, adding the article, adding that they should only be temporarily suspended rather than completely destroyed. So the PLA could use them for a landing. The second stage of the magazine's three pronged strategy would would be several rounds of intensive cruise missile attacks such as the YJ-91 and CJ-10, launched from land, ships and submarines and targeting military bases, ammunition depots, communications infrastructure, and key road junctions. The article suggested that PLA surface ships could then use drones to assess the damage. Finally, the article said artillery strikes from surface ships and land-based rocket forces would remove any remaining obstacles for the PLA's Marine Corps and amphibious landing troops. This was the second time the publication has outlined a scenario for an attack on Taiwan. Last year, it released a video detailing how an assault on the island's defense system could occur to coincide with the, with the start of the independence-leaning president's Tsang Ing-wen's second term. The latest video was posted on Thursday, the official date of the Communist Party's centenary. In his speech to mark the occasion, President Xi Jinping vowed to crush any attempt to get in the way of complete reunification. Well, we read that part. You have to understand the importance of Taiwan. The Wall Street Journal says the world relies on one chip maker in Taiwan, leaving everyone vulnerable. This is not just a threat to the U.S. More importantly, it's a threat to Taiwan. The people of Taiwan have a right to self-governance. After they get threat, after Taiwan gets taken, the rest of the world is in danger. China will absolutely control this and they will use all of this power to their advantage militaristically. They say, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Co. Are, uh, chips are everywhere, though most consumers don't know it. The company makes almost all of the world's most sophisticated chips and many of the simpler ones, too. They're in billions of products with built-in electronics, including iPhones, personal computers, and cars, all without any obvious sign they came from TSMC, which does the manufacturing for better-known companies that design them, like Apple and Qualcomm. TSMC has emerged over the past several years as one of the world's most important semiconductor companies with enormous influence over the global economy. Or it says it is the most important company. With a market cap of around $550 billion, it ranks as the world's 11th most valuable company. The answer here is simple. The U.S. needs to start preparing to manufacture their own chips and not just sit here saying, well, we got Taiwan. If they take Taiwan, we'll defend it because there's no guarantee they will actually be able to. Its dominance leaves the world in a vulnerable position. As more technologies require chips of mind-boggling complexity, more are coming from this one company on an island that's a focal point of tensions between the U.S. and China, which claims Taiwan as its own. Analysts say it will be difficult for other manufacturers to catch up in an industry that requires hefty capital investments. And TSMC can't make enough chips to satisfy everyone, a fact that has become even clearer amid a global shortage adding to the chaos of supply bottlenecks, higher prices for consumers and furloughed workers, especially in the auto industry. The situation is similar in some ways to the world's past reliance on Middle Eastern oil, with any instability on the island threatening to echo across industries. But let's just make it clear.
Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. There are powerful countries in the Middle East, and the U.S. could crush basically all of them, not without harm to itself. China, on the other hand, would not be so easy. And China wants Taiwan. Of course, we had the Soviet Union to contend with when it came to the Middle East in previous decades. This is going to be relatively serious. And now from the Financial Times, U.S. and Japan conduct war games as China-Taiwan tensions rise. The message is clear. The escalation is here. The Financial Times reports the U.S. and Japan have been conducting war games and joint military exercises in the event of a conflict with China over Taiwan amid escalating concerns about the Chinese military's assertive activity. U.S. and Japanese military officials began serious planning for a possible conflict in the final year of the Trump administration, according to six people who requested anonymity. The activity includes top secret tabletop war games and joint exercises in the South China and East China Seas. Shinzo Abe, then Japan's prime minister, decided in 2019 to significantly expand military planning because of China's threat to Taiwan and the Senkaku Islands in the East China Sea. This work has continued under the administration of Joe Biden and Abe's successor, Yoshihide Suga, according to three of the people with knowledge of the matter. Donald Rumsfeld, of course, that's the other news. He passed away, but we get it. We get it. War. What is it good for? Uh, It's good for a lot of things. The narrative may be from a lot of people that war is always wrong. It's not necessarily true. Well, maybe I should slow down a little bit. War is always bad. Certainly, there are positives that may emerge from some kind of conflict, the development of medical technologies, the expansion of certain medical systems. But war is bad. We need some kind of unified planet. Now, you have a bunch of global elites, the globalists, says Alex Jones. And the concern is not globalization. Globalization is inevitable. Whether you like it or not, it will happen. But whether or not individual countries will retain sovereignty over their borders is a bigger question. We can have international relations. We can have international governing authorities in certain inter, you know, international conflicts. But when it comes to local borders and countries, we should retain our own rights. In the end, globalization will happen. The question is, will it be authoritarian globalism or will it be libertarian globalism? Will it be that free trade and free enterprise ends all war? Nobody wants to go to war because we're making great deals and we're all getting richer and richer and richer. That sounds nice. 
but there will still be some kind of exploitation. And should we do deals with countries like China when they have concentration camps? Well, the fear is that if we don't, they'll do business elsewhere and they will empower other people. And thus, the system is far from perfect. I think we're going to have a one world government. I really, really do. I don't see how the planet can be fractured in this way, especially as technology develops and we start reaching out into the stars. What would happen if the U.S. develops a Martian military base? Elon Musk goes there within 10 years. We've got nuclear missiles on Mars or the moon or in outer space. Russia then says, we do not accept that you have these, these weapons that we can't see, control or do anything about, but we can attack you. You see the problem? The U.S. could launch specialized weapons and military bases, and it could cause conflict on the ground. The end result, in my opinion, is either we start negotiating, doing trade deals, or we blow ourselves up because China ain't never going to give it up. Not, that's, that's my fear. My ultimate fear is the pessimism that China will never agree to live the way we do. Why would the Chinese Communist Party give up their, their stranglehold on their serfs? They wouldn't. So then... What do we do? Negotiate trade deals? Yeah. Been there, done that. We tried those trade deals. And what did we get? Instead of China becoming more like us, they kind of did. They mostly just made us become more like them. And then they exploited our system to get our companies to go to their country, to get our celebrities to support their authoritarianism. And in the end, cheaters and authoritarians have the advantage. Those who believe in true liberty and honesty are at a disadvantage because cheaters do win. You see, that's the secret they never wanted you to know. They wanted you to believe that cheaters always lose because cheaters get caught. But you don't hear about the cheaters that don't get caught. You don't hear about the people who found a way to reach their goal through surreptitious means. There's an old saying many hackers have. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Because what does cheating really mean? It means that you are willing to do whatever it takes to achieve an outcome. If you are told by your teacher, you must have all of the correct answers. She didn't tell you to learn the material. She said, have the correct answers. So if you want to win, you do what's called cheating, right? Therein lies the real challenge. For those of us with scruples, honor, and integrity who don't want to cheat, who don't want war, we get backed into a corner. And if we don't act soon enough and show up our defenses, we get overpowered. So what do you do? Do we sit back while China begins building 119 missile silos? We don't even know if there's going to be missiles in them. Or do we just say, keep, keep expanding? Do we sit back if they take Taiwan? I don't know. I wish I had all the answers and I wish I could see the future. I can't. I can make some educated guesses. That's about it. But it looks like all of this information is we are in conflict with China. It's just not kinetic warfare. Let's pray it never gets to that point. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. Across the U.S., leftist loony crackpots have been tearing down statues and screaming about them and vandalizing statues, and they don't really understand the point of any of it. And it is pretty worrying. Why? Over the past year or couple of years, these people with impunity have destroyed public property. No votes, no consensus, no democracy. These people show up, destroy public property, and the city defends them. Yet they come out and they say, that Republicans and the right are the ones that are, that are a threat to democracy when they're the ones unilaterally deciding what to destroy and getting away with it. The other day in Canada, these crackpots tore down statues of Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth. 
Now, part of me, like the first thing I thought of when I saw this was I laughed. I'm like, yes, down with the queen. Ha 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 ha. You know, because Americans re- revolted and, you know, we had a revolution against the crown. But they're not revolting against the crown. These statues are just symbols of the history of, of Canada. And while I don't know if I'd care too much for a statue of Queen Elizabeth here in the United States, we do have a statue of Lenin, a very large one up in, I think, I think it's Seattle. So we have statues of people we don't like. Okay, so it it happens. It doesn't give you the right to go around destroying public property or private property for your ideology. That's where things get scary. They keep doing this. Nothing is going to stop them. No one is stopping them. Yet when some, some individuals came and vandalized a statue of George Floyd, they're saying it's a hate crime, or it may be a hate crime. Yes, a statue of George Floyd, the great historical, dude, he was a guy. I get it, man. We can be sad over the loss of life, but why are we putting up statues to the guy? They're painting his face around the world. You know what, man? It used to be that we would build statues for individuals that inspired us, that led us. George Floyd did not do that. At best, the left perspective on George Floyd is that he was a victim. You're, you're just putting up statues that it's insane. And, and, and in fact, to say the dude was outright just a victim would be wrong. It's stories much more nuanced than that. The dude had a history. Granted, I think we got a problem with opioid addiction and things like that. And I really wish, you know, this none of this stuff happened with George Floyd. The man did not deserve to die. But these things happen. Now, I'll tell you where things start getting scary. I can be optimistic. You know, I, I've been saying I've been, I've been optimistic in the past couple of months, especially after talking to Steve Bannon and, and Michael Malice. They're they're optimistic. But I don't think they realize that their optimism is still in the long term a defeat. And it's only a matter of time that our ideas get defeated as well. Why do we oppose censorship? It's very obvious. If you allow the government the ability to censor, they eventually censor you. So when the leftists start screaming censorship, I say, no, 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 no. Look, look, I'm no fan of the alt-right. In fact, I very much think their ideology is trash because it's effectively, it's identitarianism. It's effectively the same thing as critical race theory in many ways. In many ways, not identical completely. But they have a right to speak. They have a right to their platforms. They should not be banned from these places because we need to call it out. We need to prevent it from festering in the corner because these people don't just go away. I mean, when was the last time you saw these these statue building people having like a big public rally explaining what they were doing? For the most part, they don't come out to arenas. You don't see them on TV. Their ideology does in some levels reach a surface level in corporations. But these communist organizing meetings happen behind closed doors. These people are able to organize and threaten violence with uh, using these big platforms. And in respond, I can call them out. Now, the problem here is institutional power. And I'll tell you what worries me. Take a look now. Let me, let me just show you this story. I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but um, young Republicans see shift in GOP from outright denial to climate caucus. I remember when Republicans said climate change was not real, or at least that's that was the, the talking point that we heard in the media. Now you have young Republicans who are saying, of course, it's real, but not for the reasons the left is saying. Now, that also has been a big component of the right. But here's my point. Young Republicans come in and they're much more pro LGBT. Look at Donald Trump. He was the first pro uh, gay marriage president to enter the presidency, having supported gay marriage, not even Obama. Over time, the left gains ground. And so I come to you as a disaffected liberal, not a conservative. 
And I say it is a problem. They're tearing down these statues. But ha ha, we may be winning. Why? Well, as Bannon mentioned, the, the Loudoun County parents, right, when they come out and they're screaming and they're yelling and they're saying we reject this. It's good news for, for those of us who believe in classically liberal values. In the end, though, it's still bad for conservatives, even though we may win. You know, when Michael Malice points out, look how dumb these people are. Look at these people toppling these statues. In 10 years, they'll be in their 30s and 40s. They will have powerful positions in government because they're certainly not going to have positions in industry. They're not smart enough or, or capable enough, but they can certainly get in government. And then the system changes. People like me are supposedly representing the right. Now, that's insane. And I've never claimed to be a conservative. In fact, I disagree with a lot of the of the policy proposals from many Republicans. We have, I have I have heated debates with Seamus on Timcast IRL about pro-life versus pro-choice. And, and we, we, we get strongly into it. Now, I'm not a leftist in the sense that I'm not, I'm, I believe in free market for the most part, some regulations. And uh, I think taxes are to a certain degree fine. I don't like taxes going to the war machine, but you know, but they call me right wing. And that's the, the gradual shift of the Overton window. The left will tell you, these, these, you this is what you got to watch out for. When you look to these uh, progressive personalities, these leftists, and they say things like the Overton window has shifted so far to the right. I think Vosh said something like that, like that the Overton, I could be wrong, that the Overton window is shifting to the right, which is patently absurd. Ten years ago, Republicans opposed gay marriage outright. Donald Trump runs on a platform supporting it and wins. The Everton window is not shifting to the right. We're now seeing surveys claiming that Republicans want universal health care. Yeah, that's not a rightward lurch. It's a leftward lurch. So we'll get, let's get into this story. But let me just say this. We, we may sit here and I will tell you I'm confident that we're going to win. You know, I, I look at what we're building at TimCast.com. Go become a member. Help support our, our new journalistic, uh, our new newsroom. We got writers. We got, we just hired, we got like 20 something employees. It's getting crazy. We're growing rapidly and we're going to keep growing and keep producing this content. But we are moderates. We're not conservatives. And you know what worries me? What happens in 10 years when they call us the conservatives? I already have conservatives saying, Tim, you're a conservative. You have to recognize you're a conservative. I'm like, why? What makes me a conservative? I'm like, well, you know, you're on the culture war, right? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, maybe. That's where we're at. And that means you conservatives, you are not long for this political world. Because if in 10 years, I, the moderate milk toast fence sitter guy, have considered conservative, there will be nothing to the right of me. These people who are toppling the statues will become the mainstream left. And basically they already are. And we've watched this happen over the past 10 years, starting with Gamergate. It was a culture war. Now it's a cold civil war. Now they're toppling statues across the country with impunity. What do you think they'll do once they are in positions of power and they get cops who don't care, who just do what they want? Oh, conflict is coming, baby. Because right now, look at this story. Progressives sour. Uh, the left is, is, is souring on Bernie. They say liberals sour on Bernie. That's wrong. But you see what's hap happening. Liberals sour on Bernie? Liberals weren't far left enough, but the Overton window, tick, 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 just keeps shifting. Here's how I explain it. It's a wheel. You have left, you have far left, left, center, right, far right. And as the wheel rotates, the far right falls off the cliff. Right wing becomes far right. Center becomes right wing. Left becomes center. Far left becomes left. And a new 
insane left pulls up from the deep, dark trenches of the underworld. And that's what we're seeing. The Overton window shift is intensifying. So I'll tell you my thought on this. I got to stress this point. When I was talking with Vosh on the IRL podcast, he's in his 20s. And I started talking about Joe Biden's legacy, war and Occupy Wall Street. He just said, I, I was a teenager. I have no idea. That's right. He had no idea. I don't fault him. He was a teenager. He wasn't paying attention. So when we see the Overton window shifting and we now in our 20s and 30s are watching this, what do you think the little kids are saying? Do you think that somehow they're going to miraculously, miraculously just resist the left? Now, Pew Research has shown in the, in the past that uh, Gen Z is slightly more conservative than uh, the millennials, slightly, but they're still very much aligned with millennials. You take a look at these. Uh, I mentioned the skate park thing several times because last week we went to a skate park and they graffiti Black Lives Matter. These kids who are 15 years old at skate parks are graffiti vandalizing property with a statist message. That is not rebellion. That is communist revolution. When those kids reach their 20s and they're waving communist fist flags and they're voting in communism, well, as it goes, you can vote it in, but you can't vote it out. You got to fight your way out. You, you vote your way into communism and you shoot your way out. These kids don't know anything. I don't blame them necessarily, but they don't know anything. You need to realize it is not like one day some 25 year old guy was like, you know what? I just watched the news and now I'm going to be a, a socialist. I didn't know anything about this. And now after watching this YouTube video, I'm a socialist. That's the narrative they're trying to give you. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that young people grow up watching media and they retain those views. And then once they become 25, they always had those views. So people have this warped perspective that statues are being toppled because people are being radicalized. Facebook just did this thing. Facebook users, Facebook is now asking Republicans if they need support for becoming extremists and will send the same to anyone who has searched keywords related to white supremacy. The narrative right now is that people are just being forced into these bubbles. While certainly I've watched people get radicalized, no joke, creepy stuff. A lot of it is just that these 10 year olds from 10 years ago are 20 years old now and you see what they believe. And what do you think is going to happen when they're 30, 40, 50, 60, etc.? The next generations, it, it's going, they're, they're extremists. The divide is getting worse. And eventually it will lead to conflict. Now, I will read some of this story to give you the context. Reuters says protesters have toppled statues of Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth II in the Canadian city of Winnipeg as anger grows over the discovery of the remains of hundreds of children in unmarked graves at former indigenous schools. A crowd chanted no pride in genocide before pulling down the statues of the monarchs. The action took place on Canada Day on Thursday, when traditionally celebrations take place across the country. However, many cities scrapped events this year as the scandal over the indigenous children made Canadians confront their colonial history. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the day would be a time for reflection. Canada's fallen. Look, obviously, these, the story about these unmarked graves is horrifying. We need to recognize why we get rid of the bad, why we do not, why we, we criticize it. But the tearing down of statues, it's an excuse to do so. Now that their own culture and traditions are being ripped away from them and made to be negative, it's only a matter of time before that moral framework gets replaced by something else. 
Was colonization right? I would say no. However, philosophically, we, we, we've developed over the past several hundred years. Every, every uh, nation has displaced another nation. Even Native Americans displaced other Native Americans. There's a serious question about the use of power in defense of one's culture or tribe. And the left, they have a child's rudimentary view of it. In fact, when, when we talk about colonization and they claim it was a bad thing, in fact, they actually uphold that ideology. Might makes right. We have the right to do so, and we will, and everyone else be damned. That's their mentality. That's their ideology. I want you to map out the timeline right now. As we watch across this country, statues of Abraham Lincoln get removed. Hans Christian Hag, a, a union hero who sacrificed his life to end slavery, gets vandalized and toppled. The left cares not for the actual principles behind what these statues represent, only that they represent our history. They want to remove that. I find it fascinating when there was this one uh, Chinese woman, she's on a viral video now saying that this is exactly what happened in the culture revolution. These, the, the, these changes we're seeing. The parents in Loudoun County may bring about a, a victory for classical liberals to a certain degree. But then they'll just call classical liberals far right and social traditional liberals uh, a right wing, which they're doing. They're absolutely and people are adopting it. And so long as you keep adopting that language, the change is obvious. The left is tearing down statues with impunity. Vandalism of a George Floyd statue is a hate crime. They're going to lock you up. Tearing down a Black Lives Matter banner banner at a church. Yeah, that was a crime. The Proud Boys did that. And they're saying, oh, well, you know. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply yet when you destroy our statues of our of our uh, historical figures yeah that's fine and then with the, what does the media do you see the media is also infiltrated it's only a matter of time the media says yeah, but they're just tearing down Confederate statues. Hans Christian Hegg wasn't a Confederate. He was a Union soldier who sacrificed his life to end slavery. Why did they vandalize and destroy that statue? Frederick Douglass got torn down up in uh, um, Rochester. What was up with that? Yet when you talk to these people, they just say, oh, you're just defending Confederate statues. What? I think the Confederate statue should all be in a museum. I don't even know why we have them in the Capitol building. It was like we fought a war and, we, and they lost. I guess that, you know, the war was brutal. And we were trying to find a way to have some kind of reconciliation. Nah, but we can put them in a, in a museum and we can put up, you know, reminders of what was once here. What, you know, st a plaque that says once we had a statue of this person who did this, that and this. And now we recognize whatever we, we, we adapt, we evolve. 
What's happening now is they're tearing down statues of even good people. They're erasing everything and they're putting up statues of people like George Floyd. So I want you to think about this. What does George Floyd represent? He represents being oppressed. To the, that's it. He did not accomplish anything. No, I'm not trying to be mean to the guy. He did not accomplish anything. He was a run-of-the-mill dude, addicted to drugs, and he died. I wish it didn't happen. I think that's fairly obvious. Nobody likes seeing people just lose their lives. We try to save people, you know. But now this man gets statues and murals and paintings. You take a look at video games, and it used to be about meritocracy. Now they do what's called walking simulators. The idea of meritocracy is considered white supremacist. Now they want to take people who have no abilities and put them in jobs where they can't function and then get woke, go broke, I suppose. What makes them think that putting people in positions in, in employment when they can't do the job is going to make that job function properly? It's not. It's a death cult. Everything that they do marches us towards the cliff. In 100 years, when we look back and we look at statues of George Floyd, what lesson will be learned? I think about stories like Batman and Superman, and we grow up watching superhero stories. And we grow up watching the hero's journey, and, that, and these are the things that inspire us. We want to be the hero. We want to be thrust into adventure and aided by magic and defeat the villains to save all mankind. Those are the stories that we hold up, but those stories are being ripped apart. Take a look at the latest iterations of entertainment, and they're trying to figure out how to create a hero's, hero's journey that doesn't follow this path, and you end up with Mary Sue characters. Ray from Star Wars can just lift 50 boulders like Luke Skywalker was that hero struggling to lift, you know, the X-Wing or whatever. You look at Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, what an amazing movie. Let's 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 do this so I can understand the shift in moral framework and culture and where this leads us. With Captain America, what was the Marvel story that what was the story Marvel told? A scrawny, weak, ill young man desperate to protect others and fight for freedom, was willing to sacrifice himself jumping on a grenade. And for his good character, moral character, he was given this, this, this power that made him strong, but he was worthy of it. He then sought to fight Hydra and defeat them, and he was willing to sacrifice himself to do it. He was a good guy who didn't have the power, but through good moral character, he fought hard and he earned the power. Captain Marvel did you watch that movie? Let me break down what that movie's about. A woman who already had the power within her by accident, had it suppressed by a man who put a chip on her neck to hold her power back. And only when she realized that she was truly strong, did the power emerge from within and then she defeats him. It's a very different kind of framework. I'm not saying it's all bad, but the idea that she was already powerful and being held down by the man, that's the narrative we're moving forward with. Now, perhaps there's something good in there, because I can tell you this. When these leftists come and tell you you're oppressed, don't listen to them. You have the power, but you have to earn it, become strong and fight every day. The mentality that they have is that you should just get it. You shouldn't earn it. And that leads us to a future where, you know, I can be confident that I will succeed. But what about conservatives? No, I think conservatives will eventually just be politically wiped out. Young Republicans are now absolutely climate caucusing. Young Republicans are now pro-LGBTQ. What do you think is going to happen then? These, uh, the joke that's been made several times, the joke I made on Twitter is that in 10 years, maybe 20 years, the Republican Party is going to be a bunch of democratic socialists arguing that, uh, you know, in defending trans kids 
when the left is arguing for trans species child genetic modification. And they're going to be AI communists. And the conservatives are going to be on Fox News being like, everybody knows socialism is the right system. These people are crazy. That's the joke. As time goes on, the right just falters. No organizational power, no institutional power, and unwillingness to get their hands dirty in many respects. So over time, they capitulate. Where's the spine at? You know, culture building is probably the the most important thing anyone can do, which is why over at TimCast.com, we're doing more than just news. We're doing the Cast Castle vlog. Latest episode will be up tomorrow, and it's hilarious. And we're doing the uh, a mystery show podcast. We have a name for it. We're not going to announce it yet because we want to inspire people with fun and entertaining content. And we want to resist that leftward lurch. But if conservatives can't do the same, then I'm not convinced conservatives will last beyond the next 10 or 20 years. The younger generation will grow up. They'll eventually say the left is wrong. They'll claim to be right wing, but all of their values and views will be leftist. Young people today, very, very different ideology, less likely to be religious, even if they are conservative. Will there be a swing back into the direction? Perhaps for one reason. Conservatives are more willing to have kids and more interested in having kids. And that's all that matters. In 20 years, liberals and leftists who don't have kids out of fear of climate change won't have any. And there will not be a younger generation to replace them. That's just reality. So as the the older political class ages out and younger people take over, we are being pushed very far left. That might change 20 or 30 years from now. But here's what I think would actually happen. Because of the extremism on the left and how much they oppose classically liberal values. I don't mean conservative or, you know, colloquial liberal. I mean, like the founding fathers. I think conflict is inevitable. When they go to tear down a statue, how long till we see, you know, we see more of what happened in Philadelphia, where the guys showed up with bats and crowbars and and shoved people and beat them saying, you're not tearing the statue down. The city came and took it anyway. The regular people couldn't stand up to it. How long until they say, I've had enough. Stop destroying public property. Well, until people on the right get in politics, get in culture, start making movies and start pushing back, there will be no change. That's why it's so important to make movies and shows and podcasts to create create culture instead of just this. Now, it's fantastic. I can talk to you. You can hear me. But unless we make something that inspires people who do not care about politics, we will just lose. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Perhaps journalism died not because activists took over, but because midwits took over. Now, I may be getting midwit a bit wrong, but midwits are basically smart. They're not stupid people. They're just smart enough to simulate complicated thought and critical thinking but not smart enough to actually solve the problems. Now, most of you know that crime is on the rise in this country. We have a lot of data suggesting it. Plus, we've all seen a lot of videos. Well, the plural plural of anecdote is not data. Seeing these videos may not represent a pattern, but I think when you look at the data and then you look at the videos, you're like, hey, look at this. This kind of backs up the claims that are made. Statistically, that crime is on the rise. In fact, we have one report from CBS saying 2021 is on track to be America's deadliest year of gun violence in two decades. And that's brutal. I saw a story and, and, and I'll show you in a second. It, it, it's brutal. A guy just runs up to a woman, jumps on her back, knocks her down and physically assaults her in a very gross way. Broad daylight in Brooklyn. 
Now, you need to consider that context as we enter the midwits of mainstream media. Ladies and, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, this journalist noticed a poll asking people about uh, violent crime or crime in general, where they live versus in the U.S. And as you can see in the poll, most people think crime in the U.S. is up, but crime where they live, not so bad, but still a little bit up. Being a midwit, these journalists can't understand simple math or context. I mean, I looked at this poll. It's a story from Washington, the Washington Post. Concern over crime is growing, but Americans don't just want more police, post-ABC poll shows. Now, I will stress, most people don't seem to think there's a, a, a crime problem in the area they live, but there is a crime problem in the U.S. That logic follows very simply. Crime is bad somewhere else. What did the midwits of the Washington Post come up with? This one journalist says, look at the gap here. More than 40% difference between crime as a problem somewhere else versus a problem where they actually live. Perception versus reality. When it comes to crime, the grass is always browner. This resulted in a wave of blue check Twitter personalities being like, everyone is wrong. They think crime is really bad in other places, yet when they look at their own neighborhoods, crime isn't that bad. What they're trying to say is crime isn't that bad. People just think it is because it must be happening somewhere else. In fact, this is one of the stupidest things ever. Let me break it down for you. If you have 10 cities, nine of which are medium to small and one is large, you have a lot of people living in that big city relative to the rest of these small cities. But still, even with a big city, nine smaller cities, it's still going to end up being 70 to 80 percent of the population spread out through smaller cities versus one big city. Right. OK. Now, all the people in the smaller cities are asked about crime where they live and they say, our city's great. We don't have a lot of crime. Well, crime in the country, however, is getting bad. Why? Because crime in the bigger city is getting bad. Now, take a look at how the math works out. Most people recognize that crime in Portland and Chicago and New York and Detroit is getting bad. And the people who live there probably recognize it's getting bad as well. They just make up a smaller percentage of the population. This is more evidence when we talk about Democrats running their cities into the ground. When you look at other data that came out through the Washington Post, what do we see? The top 10 per capita cities for crime are run by Democrats. Keep in mind, that's per capita, not by size. When you include for general size and just a total amount of crime, I think you get like one Republican city. But per capita, Democrat across the board. And you want to know why we can't solve these problems? Because journalism is taken over by midwits like this who don't think about context. They're not smart enough to break it down. I'm going to show you what's going on with crime in these cities. I'm going to show you the midwits of Congress. Yeah, AOC, you know her, you love her. She's like, it's all hysteria. This is exactly the idea she says. And then these journalists come out with crackpot data that they're not smart enough to understand to try and back up these claims by AOC. I'm not saying this guy literally is doing that. He's just pushing basically the same idea. AOC comes out and says, the crime wave stuff is all hysteria. Dude, tell that to this lady right here. Shocking moment. Man follows a woman, tackles her to the ground, and assaults her while she is out for a walk in Brooklyn as New York's crime wave continues. 
This guy just in broad daylight, broad daylight. It's, it's brazen now. You know what it is? They know nothing will be done to stop it. Here's what the Daily Mail reports. A shocking attack was captured on surveillance video in Brooklyn, showing a man tackling an unsuspecting woman from behind and assaulting her on the sidewalk amid skyrocketing crime rates in New York City. The attack took place around 8.10 p.m. on Monday in the trendy Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. This is Hipsterville. Okay, so I say broad daylight, 8.10 p.m., but it's still daylight. According to police, the victim described as a 35-year-old woman was taking an evening walk on a hot summer evening when the man began following her. You have, this, this, you have these videos. They say, according to the most recent stats from the NYPD, <clears throat> rape and other crimes citywide are up 5% and 25% respectively compared to the same time last year. So that's rape and we'll just look, it's, it's sexual assault. More than 2,200 sexual offenses have been reported throughout the five boroughs since the beginning of 2021. Murders were up 12% from 189 at this time last year and to, uh, to 212 so far in 2021. The biggest increase has been in gun violence with shootings up 43% from 503 to 718. So let me break it down for you. I lived in Philadelphia area. Crime started getting really bad. I moved. If someone polled me and said, is crime getting bad in the US? I'd say, oh, you betcha. Is crime bad where you live? Oh, definitely not. You know why? I left, you morons. These people are so dumb, and they're the ones in, journalis- in, in journalism, in the mainstream media, supposedly trying to break down what's happening in this world, and they don't understand basic context. Oh, yeah, you know what? Look at every single one of these out-of-context videos that these grifter leftists put up where they don't understand the point getting a, you're trying to get across, and therein lies the big problem. Let me give a shout out to one of the dumbest people I've ever had the misfortune of talking to. I did this debate where I tried explaining deontology versus utilitarianism. Oh, forgive me for talking to this, this, this leftist personality who doesn't know enough to actually have a debate on philosophical issues, particularly individual rights, particularly deontology versus utilitarianism. The idea of the individual being important and not you cannot commit a, 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 an unethical act against an individual versus the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of, of, of the few. Well, these people were so dumb. This guy was so dumb and he didn't understand it. I try to dumb it down for him. Maybe if I use a movie to try and communicate with these people who aren't smart enough to understand complicated information, they just start laughing and hooting and banging on their laps that I mentioned Marvel movies. If you're not smart enough to have a real conversation about this, and I politely tried to give you an an, an analogy, but you start beating your chest like some kind of macaque. They're monkeys, by the way. Well, then how am I supposed to communicate effectively with people who can't parse through basic information? Bro, the stats exist. The polls are irrelevant. In fact, here's what I would tell you to to, to this Washington Post journalist. If people are pointing out crime across the U.S. is is up, is a problem. They're not even saying it's up. They're saying it's a problem. But where they live, it's not a problem. I say the perception is on you and that crime probably is bad in your neighborhood. Look at this. Felony assaults are up 6.9%. Murders are up 122 in New York City. But there are a ton of people in New York who are too stupid. Take, take uh, that, that, that video I mentioned just recently where you got this guy walking through the Upper West Side, the elitist haven of, of Manhattan, 
And he's like, the city's been destroyed by COVID. Look, there's there's a burger restaurant open and people eating. And, and oh, no, there's gay ice cream. Stop watching Fox News. It's like, bro, you live in a wealthy bubble, you midwit. Go to central Brooklyn. Tell me what's going on. Go to Staten Island. So here's what happens. Most people don't recognize that where they live, crime probably is bad, but they're used to it. And that's what's freaky. I tell you this. You go to the south side of Chicago where I grew up. You ask my neighbors, do you think crime is a problem here? They would mostly say, no, not so much. I'm not kidding. They would say not so much, even though there were burglaries, there was drug abuse, there was drug sales, there was gang activity, because to them, it's normal. They're used to it. When I went to Sweden and there were uh, the year prior to my visit, one murder, the year, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I think it was like the year prior, what month was it? Was, was uh, two years before was one murder. Then the year prior to my visit was 13 murders showing a massive spike increase in murder. So the people of Sweden were freaking out like, why are there so many murders? When people in the U.S. heard that murder was up, you know, 1,300% or 1,200% or whatever, they were like, wow, crime must be really bad in Sweden. Not realizing that it was actually not that bad, but relative to Sweden, it was skyrocketing. People need to understand nuance. We don't get that, though. We unfortunately have a journalistic enterprise run by midwits who can't break down basic information and context. Like if I were to say, wow, man, because of all of these riots, because of the billions of dollars in damage, this could result in some kind of major victory for Donald Trump. And then the meme, of course, is 49 state landslide, just like Reagan. Not literally. Maybe maybe I, I didn't speak clearly enough. But when I say something like hypothetically, if this occurs, this will happen. Like if Trump appoints Tulsi Gabbard to national security advisor, like even, uh, what was it, the American conservative said, and Yang to economic advisor, he'd win a 49-state landslide. They then like to take those clips out of context because they're not smart enough. They're midwits. Here's the problem. Why aren't smart people getting in media? Where, 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 look, these intellectual dark web types, they're, they're sitting back. They're fighting a good fight with, 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 with respect, of course, I say this. But they're not in newsrooms. They're not running newsrooms. So you have the dumbest possible people saying, crime isn't happening. People, you know, realize crime's not that bad. I can't, I can't, I, I saw, look, <coughs> I didn't think one tweet would warrant a, 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 a video on this, but it's not one tweet. I'm just not going to drag all of the other uh, accounts that were posting similar things saying Republicans are trying to drive up fear of crime because when crime goes up, there's calls for law and order and things like that. <clears throat> but this is what we get. Concern over crime is, gr is growing. And at the same time, crime is up. And at the same time, this is what you get when you ignore it. No, not the silly kitty playing. AOC brushes off concerns over surging NYC crime as hysteria. The New York Post, U.S. Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sparked outrage Tuesday for dismissing concern about surging crime as hysteria. The Bronx Queen Congresswoman, a far left progressive, routinely referred to her by her. We know who she is. We are seeing these headlines about percentage increases, AOC said, blah, blah, blah. Now, I want to say that any amount of harm is unacceptable and too much. But I also want to make sure that this hysteria, you know, that it, this doesn't drive a hysteria and that we look at these numbers in context so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate in that context. 
Bronx City Councilman Ruben Diaz Sr. on Tuesday blasted AOC's remarks and said she's wrong. The crime increase is a crisis. Okay, I don't care if you think it's a crisis or not. I lived in Philly. The crime was getting really bad. There was a shootout. I lived in the suburbs of Philly. And I'm like, yo, we don't want to be here no more. I'm not going to sit around and wait inside a burning building for the fire to make it to me. So I said, all right, I'm out. And I walked away. Went somewhere further away. We, we, we also needed a space because we're expanding the company. So it's all part of a process. But we decided to go to the middle of nowhere. Is crime a problem here? Not really. Uh, unless you consider the deers trying to steal my, my, my fruits. This, these, these, these deers come on my property and they're walking around. I, I got windows right in front of me. We moved. You, you can tell the background's different. I moved to a different room. And I see these deers and I'm like, I'm in the middle of recording the other day and I see these two deers walk up and I'm like, what do I do? Do I stop recording? These deer walk up to my apple tree and start taking my apples. What am I supposed to do? Call the police? You know, they won't do anything about these criminals in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's crime here. Crime here is I watch a, a, a deer walk up and eat an apple off the, the, low, the low hanging fruit. I'm not really concerned about the deer taking my apples, but I'm not concerned at all about gang shootouts, about robberies, about murders. The only murder that's going to happen out here is like when the cat kills a rabbit because I moved. But am I concerned about the crime rate in Philadelphia? Yes, I am. These people aren't going to be telling you the truth because they're not smart enough to tell you the truth. That's the unfortunate problem. We have hard data. Okay, 2021 is on track to be America's deadliest year of gun violence. All right. I can't tell you why. I know the left is going to say this proves we should get rid of guns. I'm like, and people want to murder. They're going to murder. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a video right now about a rabbi who got stabbed a bunch of times. People who want to commit crimes, they're going to find a way to do it. I don't think banning guns solves the problems if people commit crimes. I think perhaps we need better policing, better trained police, different police divisions who specialize in different things. But what do we get? The midwits come out and they're like, a cop shot somebody. I know. Let's get rid of cops. It's like those two things don't go together. So this is what frustrates me about seeing these journalists in these stories. They can't understand what the data means. You don't just see the data and then run out and wave your, your, your papers in the air and scream Eureka and throw them. You have to actually analyze why this is the case. Could it be that over the past year, there's been a mass exodus from big cities? That's something that's been heavily reported. And of those people like me who fled areas with high crime, they moved to areas with low crime, as you would expect a human being to do. Okay, then the end result is people who move into the woods and move in the middle of nowhere are going to be like crime's real bad, but not where I live. And the midwits won't be smart enough to parse through it. I want to show you uh, the, the, the epitome of midwit, midwittedom, midwittedy, midwit. Just that's the great word. There's this tweet from Corey DeAngelis. You may know him as a very uh, uh, staunch proponent of school choice, maybe voucher systems, private schooling. He tweeted, North Carolina K through 12 enrollment changes, public school minus 3%, private school plus 3.3%, homeschool plus 20.6%. If you are not a midwit, if you are not a, a, a daft moron, perhaps you would recognize the point being made here. Okay, I don't normally like to drag random people on Twitter, but this is a good example of what a midwit is. This Twitter user responded to Corey DeAngelis' tweet. How is there a 3% decrease in public school attendance and a 24% increase in private and homeschool? Someone help me with the math. Okay, this is amazing. Corey DeAngelis. Now, because 
this person sounds like a moron. I'm assuming most of you understand math. People started claiming Corey did something wrong by putting these numbers together to paint a false picture because they're too stupid. It's frustrating when these people. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are, are dominant in one of the political factions, and they're getting laws passed that we have to sit back and watch, and this is the way things go. Then you wonder why there are a ton of elitists who think they're smarter than everybody. I certainly don't think I'm smarter than everybody. I just think I'm smarter than these particular people who are really dumb. I wouldn't begin to know how to solve the crime problem or what it means that people are thinking, you know, saying that crime is worse in some areas. All I can really say is there are a bunch of reasons why, and I can't assert one of them without knowing for sure. So let me break it down for you. If at public school, you have 100 people and three of them leave, you get a minus 3%. If at private school, you have 1,000 people and 33 join, you get plus 3.3%. Um, if at your homeschool, you, if homeschooling has only five people and you add but one person, you get a 20% increase. Basic math. He's not saying that three, th th this person seems to think that all of the, the, these public, private, and homeschool have the same number of students, and that Corey DeAngelis is trying to claim that people are all leaving public school and joining homeschool and private school. Oh, it's so dumb. Some of these people might not go to school at all. Some of them might outright drop out. I'm sure that number's in there as well. But if you have one million uh, let, 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 let's let's say uh, what, how many how many kids do we have in this country? Let's say ten million, and you have three percent leave public school. So between private and homeschool, because they're smaller in number, you will get a larger percentage change. Midwits, midwits. This 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 one is 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 an attempt to explain it. New students moving into the area who didn't enroll in public school and families who start out homeschooling without enrolling in public school are probably a good part, enhanced by folks who chose not to send kids during the pandemic. <laughs> this is why I move out to the middle of nowhere. And this is one of the biggest conundrums we face. The reality is there are a lot of dumb people. And I've become more and more convinced of the idea that service guarantees citizenship from Starship Troopers, right? John Stewart said there should be some kind of draft, not a military draft, but some kind of you must do some kind of community service. I used to be opposed to that because um, when I was in high school, they said that in order to graduate, you had to do community service, something like that. I don't know if that's true everywhere else, but that did exist. And I thought that it was interesting. The idea was to have you feel attached to your community and have respect for them and be a part of it. I like what they do in Japan. Apparently, uh, there was a meme. I don't know if it's true. They don't make they don't, they don't hire janitors. They have the students clean the schools. Then Nobody wants to messy the school up because they're the ones who have to clean it. So if someone's littering, they get mad like, yo, we got to clean this up. What are you doing? Having a janitor do it, people just absolve themselves of responsibility, throw their food in the ground and say, hey, I'm creating jobs. Service guarantees citizenship. There's got to be some kind of structure 
by which random, uh, by, by which uh, uh, people who don't know and don't care don't go vote because the TV told them to. Sorry, that's just reality. We will not be better served. Imagine, I'll put it this way. Let's, 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 let's shrink things for you guys. Maybe you're on the left and you're like, everyone should vote. Voter suppression is bad. Let me tell you this. You got one roommate sleeping on the couch, snoring and not working, and you keep cleaning it up. I'm sure you've met somebody like this. Then when it comes time to vote on, you know, how to spend, uh, you know, what, what utility bills to be paying first, or uh, that's a little, little bleak. Let's say that comes to vote on food and he's like, yo, we should get blimpy. And you're like, oh, come on, dude. I just busted my ass cleaning up this place. I want to eat something nice. Too bad. Why are you choosing for me what I get to eat? Or the landlord comes in and blames both of you for the noise when you're not the one causing it. So here's the point. In the United States, there are some people who don't pay attention. I'll put it, I'll put it better. I'll put it this way. You get uh, uh, a problem is occurring with the neighbors and you need to solve that problem. And so everyone needs to come together to decide how to solve that problem. And the person who doesn't do any work is the one who keeps telling you what to do and making everything worse or better yet. Someone's got to do the dishes and everyone's going to vote on whose turn it is to do the dishes. And the one guy who never works keeps voting not to do the dishes. And you're like, bro, you've got to do the dishes one time. And a bunch of his dumb friends keep saying, no, nah, it's cool. He doesn't got to do any work. The point is, you got to have some skin in the game. You have to have some basic understanding. And they say that it's racist to do these things. Yeah, sorry. I don't think people are stupider because of their race. I understand poverty plays a role, but I do think we've got to have some kind of assessment, some kind of basic way to judge whether or not someone is actively trying to help the community. I don't think just because you're stupid, you, you, you should not be allowed to speak. That's like Twitter's mentality. But I do think there's a very serious problem if your toilet breaks and you bring in a bunch of lawyers to vote on how to fix it. Nah, maybe we let the one plumber just take over in this regard. So you have a country of a bunch of people and we're all trying to vote on things. And there's good reason for this, actually, because we don't want a, a council of elitists saying they're the political experts. They decide that doesn't work. But we do need to recognize that if you let really dumb people vote to do really dumb things, bad things happen to everybody. How we solve for that, I don't know. I really don't. I'm just like looking at all these midwits who don't understand crime, running these news organizations, misinforming people. And I'm just like, Ugh. I'll tell you the big difference between me and them. I will not, for the most part, tell you what is what you must believe. And boy, do people hate it. The meme is like Tim will come out and say X happened, but, you know, maybe it's Y. You should consider possibility of Y, but it, it might actually be X. Yeah, because I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm telling you what happened and saying, here's why it might be. Here's why it might not be. You figure it out. I'm not your boss. I'm not the one in charge of your ship. I'm not pulling your sails or steering your boat. I'm letting you know there's a couple waves in front. Now, I don't know if those waves are going to knock you over, but consider the information because they might. I go to the casino and people are like, what should I bet? And I'm like, well, you look at it this way. You know, somebody, somebody we're playing blackjack. Some person sitting next to me, they, they got a 13. The dealer is showing five. And I say, man, well, look, you know, I, I could tell you what to do. I tell you what I do. They're showing a five. Like the, all, the, the likelihood is they're going to flip their other card. It's going to be a face card, which is going to get them at 15, which is going to force the dealer to hit. The dealer's then very likely to bust because with showing a 15, I think the percentage is down to like even the high 20s or 30s percents that he's going to get a card lower, six or lower. Your best bet is to stay at 13. But I don't know, because what if he flips it over 
and it's a six, and then he hits, and boom, 21. So if you're showing a 13 and he's showing a five, my, what I would, I would do, I would, you know, you do, you do you. That's the point. I don't, I don't make these videos to tell you how to live your life because I don't know what you do. I don't know how your big, big your basement is. I don't know if you got running water. I don't know if you live in a mansion. But man, these people are dumb as they come and will tell you exactly what you need to do. And then everything goes up in flames. That's that quote that the, the, you know, the wise are so full of doubt and you know, the ignorant are so confident. Or you, you, you get the point. One of the troubles of the world is stupid people think they know everything. Yeah. Well, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.